This is the OT Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Brian Andrew. I'm here with my rookie wide receiver sleeper, Stephen Galindo. How you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Another week, another set of uh, fantasy teams here. Fantasy talk with the OT crew. I gotta be. I gotta be real. 100% real with you. I look forward to recording these episodes every week. Fantasy football. Yeah, like now when it's kind of it's kind of cool because like now when me and you share news, it's not that we're just sharing it with uh, with each other because we're about to use it toward a strategy or something. It's like we we legit like not only are we going to talk about it like privately, we're going to talk about it publicly, and it's interesting to see like how our takes might change now that people are actually going to listen to it, <laughs> but. Uh, speaking of news, Jonathan Taylor got permission to seek a trade. He sure did. And, uh, I think the Colts are looking for a first round, you know, in, in return with whatever else they decide. Um, that's pretty steep of a price to pay for Jonathan Taylor. I think a lot of these teams who are competing for the Super Bowl are mm. mostly set at the running back position. Other than the Chiefs, I would say, but even the Chiefs, I think, can manage with what they have just because they're so they're just so dynamic and everything like you know they proved that last year when everybody was saying oh well they don't have a wide receiver and so and so and and they still were able to you know go out there and show out every week and um, yeah obviously for fantasy that's not the most ideal but as a Chiefs fan you know it was fun to watch but um, yeah they're looking for a first round pick um I can't, I don't know. I can't really think of anybody who would really, you know, give up that plus, you know, players um, who would be competing for a championship. Obviously, like these rebuilding teams might, you know, possibly throw some offers out there. But if I'm not mistaken, I think Miami was uh, one of the, you know, um, teams who are obviously competing for a championship in the next couple of years who I believe we're going to make a run at JT. Um, mm-hmm. I think he would be pretty pretty solid on that Dolphins offense because uh, not only is he you know a good rusher but he obviously has the receiving skills as well I I personally feel Jonathan Taylor is good enough that every team in the NFL should at least be making the call now can you offer what the Colts want that's a totally different story but at least you're picking up the phone you're calling the Colts number and you're just like all right well would you take this and they're like no all right cool I at least tried because he's arguably the best player in the league at his position, and he's still a young player in this league at his position. Like even like you said, like championship window teams, like it could also just be a team that has an opportunity to get a really good running back and be able to give him his bag that he wants, and then you have a solidified top tier running back for the next four seasons or so. You know, uh, he did. He didn't have the perfect year last year. He's playing on an ankle injury. It's kind of bled into this soft season as well. The Dolphins make the most sense, especially with um, Arcane going down. With uh, was it Arcane or Arcane? Arcane, I believe. Yeah. See. Okay. I don't know. It's a confusing name. I know these names yeah. are getting harder and harder every single season. Yeah, I was I was going I was confidently rocking and then I was like, you know what? I should stop myself and ask first before I just keep. But like, you know, he goes down with injury. It's a, I believe it's day to day, but still. Like 
there's enough question marks at the position for being such a high profile offense that you're just like, you know what? Maybe they should just, you know, throw the bag and get Jonathan Taylor. But then there's teams like, for whatever reason, every time a player becomes available, the Eagles are mentioned. Every time a player becomes available, the Bills, the Chiefs, they're all mentioned always. And then, like, literally, I feel like three minutes after the news came out, like, the Browns restructured Miles Garrett's contract, right? So, <laughs> yes. And you're like, oh, I really hope they don't do this. So you're texting me that. And, like, yeah, but then, yeah, but, like, it makes sense if they feel like Nick Chubb's probably only got another year or two left in him. You know, he he's taking some hits in his career as well. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think every team should be at least making a call. And I don't know if his ADP, like everyone assumes that just because he's getting out of the Colts, his ADP should rise. Like it depends, you know, if he goes to a team that already has a, a solidified backfield and with two weeks before the season starts or so, it, they should at this point, even if it's Jonathan Taylor's better than your RB1, you should have a solidified backfield at this point. So. I'm I'm intrigued. I don't know what's going to happen, uh, but it does have a lot of fancy relevance. I do think at this point, second round, Jonathan Taylor comes around, maybe a safe pick or so. I don't know if he's going to play in week one for whatever team he plays for. I don't know if he's going to play for the Colts and try to raise his trade value throughout the season and get traded midseason or so, but... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are in that realm. So for fantasy, and this is strictly fantasy, not because I think he's not good or not because of this or that, but strictly in fantasy, I'm avoiding him. I don't want to deal with the headache. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, I mean, he, he was a solid mid-round, first-round pick, and then obviously the news came out that he had his issues with the owner and he, you know, his ADP, you know, started to fall right now. I think he's somewhere in the beginning of the second round is what his ADP is. It'll continue to drop obviously if they don't clear up this situation, but even if they cleared it up, I'm still staying away from Jonathan Taylor personally, because that's not a headache I want to deal with. I think that the first two to three rounds this year have so many solid options that you can find another running back who is the you know their team's RB1 or at least 1A and it will save you the headache of having to deal with any drama you know that comes from this you know or maybe Jonathan Taylor kind of gets hurt and he doesn't want to play so you know like and I'm not saying you know players fake injuries or anything but I'm just saying he's got to look out for his future so just in general I'm avoiding this whole situation all right. Just because you said you're avoiding it, that means now I have to take out like you know the hypotheticals and like <laughs> hit you with some. All right, go ahead, hit me with the hypothetical. I'll tell you where I'm personally at in the second round. If it falls to me, I'm taking players probably like Tony Pollard, Stevenson. I'm taking those kind of players probably before I'm taking Jonathan Taylor, just because their situations are less messy. They're the clear-cut RB1s on their team. Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. Like, if Jonathan Taylor, by the time I draft, if Jonathan Taylor has a solidified team, the trade's done, we're good. 
then maybe I might take Jonathan Taylor over a Derrick Henry or so, or something like that. I'd still probably take Nick Chubb over him. But you're just I, you're just not feeling Derrick Henry this year. I am not. You're just like you think this is the year that he regresses. I do. You're putting I, all your eggs in one basket. He's two years past the the like the cutoff point of when running backs usually do. Twenty eight. So, yeah, I would say twenty eight. Twenty nine. I think he's twenty nine. He just turned twenty nine. I, I believe he's thirty. Right? Oh, okay. I thought he was twenty. I, I could be. I could be wrong. I don't know. But where in the second round of running backs? Because I know you're not going to take him in the first. Where in the second round of running backs would you be like? All right, it's Jonathan Taylor. Because I know you like your running backs. You usually do a double running back strategy, unless the wide receiver there is better. But let's just say you're sticking to your double running back strategy. Where would Jonathan Taylor? Or where would you have to be where Jonathan Taylor is like the must take at your position? Okay, just to give you some names of who I would take, you know, let's say we're we're middle to late second round, right? So we we drafted at the beginning of the of the draft, right? Let's say we're positions like one through six, one through seven. I'm taking Ramondre Stevenson, I'm taking Najee Harris, I'm taking Tony Pollard, I'm taking Derrick Henry. I don't think he regresses this year. The guy just looks like an absolute monster. He doesn't have an injury like history. Yes, he's been hurt, but for the most part, I mean, throughout his career, he's been pretty solid. So if, before you continue, I was wrong. He is twenty nine. He doesn't hit turn thirty till next January. So you're right. So he, cl- he towards will. the end of the season. So yeah, um, I think I would take Travis Etienne over Jonathan Taylor to avoid oh, the headache. I wouldn't. And I know everybody's saying, "Oh, uh, Tank Bigsby," and they're not just going to drop Etn. Like he's still going to have, he's still going to get his touches. Um, I would take the rookie Jameer Gibbs over Jonathan Taylor. So and right then, now, Jonathan Taylor would have to drop to like the third round or so, yeah. third or fourth round. In for my you. personal opinion, if you want to deal with the headache, I think the third round is is worth worth the. I don't want to say sacrifice, but if it doesn't pay off. The third round pick isn't going to hurt you as much as your first two. You're not going to win your draft in your in your first two picks, but you can definitely lose your draft in your first two picks. Case Would in you... point, case in point, one year I don't remember. I think it was Jamal Charles. Mm-hmm. I drafted him as my first overall pick. This is like the year after he blew, like was number one in fantasy. He tore his ACL that year, and man, was that a stinker of a season for me. I still barely made the playoffs, but I'm saying like I just would avoid the the headache all in, in total in general. I feel, I feel like the headache goes away once he gets traded, though. Like, if he's still in the Colts, I would avoid him, too. But if once the trade gets finalized, I don't think it's a headache at that point. It's just, all right, where is he in the depth chart? Will he be ready for week one? Probably not. And You're two weeks away from the season starting. He's got to get in there. You know, he's got to learn the playbook. Then he's got to actually run it out there. Who knows? You know, he hasn't been playing real football against people. His his chances of a, a injury are higher, you know, coming okay. into the season like that. Like, so, it's just a headache in general. Just I would just stay so, away from him. Because in fantasy football, too, like rounds four and five are almost just as valuable as rounds one or two. The rounds one or two are you, it's really hard to screw up, right? But rounds four or five or so and that's probably where alvin Kamara's adp is roughly you know he his situation's a headache too like 
Would you rather take Alvin Kamara's headache in rounds four or five or Jonathan Taylor's quote-unquote headache in rounds two or three? I'd rather take a wide receiver over Jonathan Taylor and then grab Alvin Kamara in the fourth round, fifth round, and deal with that headache. All right. Because I think that's a value pick in the fourth or fifth round for a guy who can be a top 10 running back. You know, that's pretty pretty good value right there. Yeah, like I think if Jonathan Taylor, if a week or so goes by, you're about to have your draft. Jonathan Taylor gets drafted, uh, traded to like a team like the ones we mentioned, like the Eagles or something like that, or the, with who already have like 10, 15 running backs in their depth chart already. Then I could see it being like, yeah, this is a headache I don't want to deal with. Or if he gets traded to New England or something, this is a headache I don't want to deal with, right? They have three solid running backs at that point. If he gets traded to the Dolphins, I don't think that's a headache. I think he's going to play, and he's going to be in one of the best offenses in the league. Yes. I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not denying that. I just think the unknown is, is if, if, hey, if you're, if you're, you know like said, if you're drafting today, yeah, I would avoid him. But I do think most people draft the weekend or so before the season starts. By then, you might have some clarity on this. High risk, high reward. If you're willing to, you know, if you're willing to have, you know, be okay with that high risk, you know, you should reap the benefits if it pays off, you know? All I'm saying is, like, personally, I would stay away. I think that there's other, you know, I don't think he's going to be the number one running back in fantasy this year. I don't think he's going to be in the top three, you know? So, like, you can find, you know, similar value in other players, you know? I think Tony Pollard, you know, like I was saying, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, I think Najee Harris. Kind of to segue into our next step what about Josh Jacobs? Are you taking Josh Jacobs or are you taking Jonathan Taylor? Like those were the only two running backs available and I really feel like I needed one. Let's say you're in the you're you're like you're pick number six and mm-hmm. it's round two, so you're right in the middle of a twelve team league. If Tony Pollard and Stevenson are there, I'd still rather go that route. Um, but let's just say you're like, yeah, back in second round, all the running backs I wanted are available. I'm not loving the wide receivers. Right now, Josh Jacobs is for sure a Raider. I guess Josh Jacobs. Like, you don't know where Jonathan Taylor is going. But if if I knew exactly what Jonathan Taylor's situation was, I'd probably take Jonathan Taylor over Josh Jacobs. I do feel like there is, and I can't prove this, someone's going to stat, <laughs> stat correct me right now, but I feel like players that hold out don't generally come into the season very strong. And uh, so Josh Jacobs is holding out. I don't know if he's coming to the season strong. He has a new quarterback. The offense is going to be a little different. Like I do think it's going to be a little, t- a little bit getting used to. Whereas Jonathan Taylor is just might just be a piece to somebody else's offense. You know, whereas I guess you can make the same argument for both. But Jonathan Taylor has more upside. I would say I would say so, but. I mean, I think the safer pick is Josh Jacobs. Real quick, per sources update, Josh Jacobs is expected to return mm-hmm. to the team and be ready for week one. What does he, ready mean? I don't know what ready means. but Expected to, and it's before week one. That could be like a day before game time, and he's just not ready to go, right? Like, Yeah. 
technically I mean, that, it, could, that that could be at a 1 p.m. kickoff time uh technically he's ready to go at 12:50 you know like <laughs> that's what that technically could mean he could be a scratch for the first game who knows um i mean if you're picking if you have like the 1 through 4 pick and you know the second round comes around and and Josh Jacobs there he might yeah like i said high risk high reward he might be a good like oh hey, i got Josh Jacobs at the end of the second round that's pretty good and then he does blow up I, I personally, again, I, I, I think it was kind of an outlier mm-hmm. last season because, I mean, the Raiders didn't have much going for them. I think mm-hmm. he's not going to be in that top running back discussion again. I he, think he'll be top, he'll be a top 10 running back, but he's going to be between 6 and 10. Yeah, he's not going like, to be a top 5. So he's, he's been the bell cow, I feel like, in the Raiders' offense for years, and just last year it clicked, you know, and it could continue to click, but, you know, showing up late into training camp uh, might not be the most ideal for Josh Jacobs supporters out there. Let me ask you this, a general, just a general fantasy football question. How serious do you take week one or do you draft with like this galaxy brain and go like, I'm thinking week 14, this guy's going to be great by then. Or do you like, you take it, uh, Hey, I, I need to be ready week. Because, like, I, I'll be honest with you. I draft from a mentality of, like, I want my team ready week one. I think it's important to get off to a good start. Uh, yeah, you got to draft. You got to draft to win, like, every game. Yeah. You like, know? I'm like, not trying to galaxy brain it. I'm not trying to be like, hey, I'll get this guy. Your, your Looks, first. Yeah. Your first, like, eight picks, you know, they're all your, your starting, you know, most likely your starting roster. And guys that you're picking for the, you know, oh, they're going to be good at the end of the season. Those are like late round flyers, sleepers that you're looking at to say, oh, you know, what? by the time we get to week, you know, 12 or 13 or whatnot, these guys should be breaking out or whatever. Um, I don't ever draft players with the intention of, oh, like he's going to provide value to my team, you know, come week 12, week 11. I'm I'm drafting guys who I think are going to be coming out the gates strong and going to be, you know, helping me win these games yeah. early because I don't want to have to be fighting for a playoff spot at the end of the season. And then you start to think like, oh, you start to get cute and you start yeah. to try to look on the waiver wire to find the guy that's going to blow yeah. up. And, you know, I'd rather just have a solid team that puts up solid points every week. Obviously, you know, uh, I'm with you too. Cause like, when you start thinking about the playoffs before your draft even starts, like, yeah, like you should consider it. But I think that's where you're, you go into like the sleeper picks and the picks later in the draft, but you want to have a solidified, solidified lineup or so, you know, week in, week out. Cause it's one thing like, yeah, those guys could probably help you win a, win your championship in your league, but they're not going to necessarily, uh, help you if you start the season one and five because most likely you're going to trade them to try to <laughs> try to make up the yeah the games you lost and that was just a little side note i was just intrigued by it because like the josh the josh jacobs things and the jonathan taylor thing does really come down to like how important do you consider the early part of your season and i guess i'm compared to you know but like how important is the early block of your season and are you solidifying the foundations of your lineup enough that you can take that risk like if your league is like totally scared of taking Jonathan Taylor or Josh Jacobs and you know they fall to you in the, in the late third round I mean fourth round like yeah that's a value pick right there like I'm taking those guys at that yeah last year Tyreek Hill in 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 my league I'm just going to give an example 
Tyreek Hill, nobody wanted to touch him in the first three rounds, basically. Because mm-hmm. I, I I believe I picked like 10th or 11th. So in the third round, when he came back to me and I was picking at number 10 or 11, he was still on the board. So I got Tyreek Hill at the end of the third round. That was probably my my best value pick I've ever yeah. had playing fantasy football, you know, these last 10 years. And so like that that that's kind of what I'm trying to say is like if they fall to you and you get them at a discount, I mean, I wouldn't blame you for taking them. But I'm not going to reach at the end of the first round or even, you know, the start of the second round to take these guys when I don't, you know, we don't really know what what's going to happen with them, you know? Right. Like Jonathan Taylor can be traded. He can hold out still. You know, Josh Jacobs, until he actually reports, like, he's still MIA. So, you know, there's other options, you know, that I'm taking that are going to be solid options to start the year and throughout the year. And then, you know, I'll take my lotto picks later on in the draft, you know, the mid to late rounds, where I feel like if if you do, you know, don't pan, it doesn't pan out the way you thought it was, it's not going to totally hurt you. You know, because yeah. can you imagine if you draft one of these guys as your running back one or, you know, even as a running back two and then they don't play and yeah. now you're out of that, you, you know, you, you lose a solid pick right there for a guy yeah. you thought was going to play and now he's not there. And and I would say we'll move on to the NFC West right now, but to to, to carry on on your point is sometimes when there's players that I'm like, eh, a little, you know, like, you know, that meme of the, the girl who's, I think drinking kombucha or whatever. And she like <laughs> starts to like it and she's like, no, and the, you know, like those kind of players. Um, I would probably say sometimes it's like, if, if this is really meant, if he's really meant to be on your team, then get the safer pick and then see if they're back again on the end. And when they come back around in the next round, like if you think Jonathan Taylor is a first, second round pick value, but you're still like, ah, I don't know, maybe move, get somebody else, get the safer pick and then see if he comes back around. And, you know, just because you're probably not the only player doubting him. So, yeah. Uh, you want to move on to the NFC West? Let's jump into the NFC West here. Let's take it to the Bay Area. This went from one of the strongest divisions in football to being one of the most mid divisions in football in like one season. Uh, so we'll get into the Rams later, but we all know Rams are my team, so we'll save them for last. But like, let's go to the rivals, the 49ers. And uh, I want to get your thoughts on CMC, Christian McCaffrey's overall ADP. Are you right now? He's around three, I believe. I think first is Jefferson, second's Chase. Uh, pick number three overall is what you mean, right? Yeah, yeah. So you, he's running you, back one mm-hmm. off the board. You know, I mean, he, he honestly, CMC is my guy. I know you're I got, big CMC. Zeke was always mine. We talked about Zeke last episode. I know CMC is yours. I was able to draft CMC three years in a row. I was run CMC for three years in a row, and I made the ship twice in those three years, and I, I won once. So I have a I have a soft spot for CMC. But you know, all biases aside, I mean CMC is a solid pick. I, I, you can take him one, two, three. You know, if he falls four or five, you're taking CMC. Is he the CMC of old? You know, when he was first drafted by the Panthers back with Cam Newton? No, he's mm-hmm. not. But, 
he's still a very strong, you know, dual threat running back where he's a solid rusher. He's a solid receiver. And I think, you know, being a full or almost a full season in this offense, that he's going to be utilized, you know, a little bit better this year, you know, because he's not just coming, you know, halfway through the season or whatnot. Right. So, I mean, I think he's still a solid pick. Don't get me wrong. Elijah Mitchell is not going anywhere. So as long as he stays healthy, you know, he's he is going to take some of that mm-hmm. um, rushing work from CMC. But I wouldn't be surprised if they had, you know, if they play CMC and Elijah Mitchell out there on the field at the same time. Like I said, CMC is a good receiver, like create mismatches. I mean, he's going to get his points. I, I, like I said, is he the CMC of, you know, of old? No, but I still think he's the running back one overall, um, only because he has a soft spot in my heart. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think Austin Eckler is is going to, you know, regress a little bit this season. Maybe he doesn't. Who knows? But um, I think between Austin Eckler and CMC, you can't go wrong with you know picking either one. You know, first overall running back off the board. So I think he's a solid pick. Um, again, if he falls to the mid to late first round, like I think that's a steal. Like I'd be picking him up right. if other people are scared of of using him uh, because he's going to get his touches. I know there's a lot of mouths to feed in San Francisco, um, but he's going to get his touches. I, I I I really do feel like too. He's the mouth to feed though. Like everyone else is kind of taking a back seat to make sure CMC gets his touches. And um yeah, like I I would say right now overall ADP, he's he's a solid third. I would say Austin Eckler is four. I would maybe even consider him moving up to two if Joe Burrow's not ready to go for this season or there's any hesitation on him being healthy. I would be like, all right, CMC probably moves to two. Jamar Chase moves to three. It's not that big of a difference. I really don't think you can go wrong with either one of those picks. Um, but yeah, you're like, yeah, I think Mitchell also having his own injury history, I think limiting his touches as well. So, you know, him and CMC having a timeshare, I don't think it's going to be 50 50, but I think it's going to be probably 70 30 or so. Um, but yeah, I am, I, I'm on board. I'm on, uh, uh, I think. Like you said, if he falls to the mid the first round, he's an absolute steal. But yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think, like you said, he's the RB one overall. Uh, I do think he affects Debo Samuel's uh, production and fantasy value. I do, I do think. Um, I, I, I don't have Debo Samuel's ADP right in front of me right now, but he is wide receiver. Uh, Debo Samuel is a wide receiver. Well, he's going um, overall ADP. He's going at the beginning of the fourth round. Yeah. Uh, so still. I, I, I don't know. Like CMC's production, I feel like kind of because you know Debo Samuel ha- kind of had that utility role on the offense, and I do think having CMC there solidifies the running game a little bit. And Debo Samuel is just—I'm not gonna say a pure pass catcher, but he's. He's yeah. he's wide receiver um eighteen. Okay. I, I, I'm 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 not in on Debo Samuel. Yeah, he had his one year, but similar to Josh Jacobs, his one year is an outlier to compare to his other seasons. You know, with the Forty ers um, I think Brandon Ayuk is going to take another step forward this year, and he's going to be the you know he's going to be the guy, the receiver. Has, okay, I just want to throw this out there to just I don't I don't mean for this to go on to a deeper con. I feel like it's been it's supposed to have been this season for the last two to three seasons. 
at the end of the last season, you know, he was starting to emerge. Okay. And, you know, especially in the fantasy playoffs, um, I don't have the numbers right in front of me. I'm going to grab those. But he, you know, he was breaking out at the end of last season. And I think that's going to continue. He went from being in the doghouse mm-hmm. to, you know, crawling out and emerging as a solid fantasy option. And I think he takes another step forward um, this season. And I would, I would rather take him at his ADP than Debo Samuel. He's going as wide receiver 27. So he's going two rounds later than Debo Samuel, who's going in the fourth round. Ayuk is going in the sixth round. I would rather take Ayuk in the sixth round than spend a fourth round pick on Debo Samuel. Because other guys that you can get somewhere in the fourth round are Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, Jerry Judy, um, DJ Moore, who I think is, you know, going to show out this year. So there, uh, Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think he's a better option than Debo Samuel. So, I mean, those are all guys that you can get also, you know, in that fourth round um, who I think will outperform Debo Samuel this year. I'm with you on that. I'm actually a big Debo Samuel supporter. I think he, I'm a Debo Samuel apologist. I think he's a lot better than some people think he is. But just with the CMC uh, move, I just feel like Debo Samuel's best value to this offense is, you know, lowered a little bit. I still think he's a solid option, especially if you go the zero wide receiver route and you need to get someone who's good in a very good offense and a very creative offense. and like low key one of the better offenses in the league or at least one of the best offensive minds in the league. You know, I don't think you I don't think you'll be regretting it. It just he didn't have a great year last year and adding CMC I don't think helps. But he's still one of the most gifted players in the game. So there's always the upside. You know, it's kinda like uh, last year when everyone kinda doubted DK Metcalf <laughs> and then he ended up having a really good year because, you know, they're like Geno Smith throwing him, you know. Uh, I, I, I don't know, like, and I'm, I'm actually a big supporter of Brock Purdy. I think he's going to have a good year. I don't know if he's going to have a lot of value in redraft leagues, but he's going to, in my opinion, be one of the best options in a bye week or a streaming week. Um, I wouldn't mind if your strategy ends up leading you to punt on quarterback. I wouldn't mind picking up Brock Purdy and maybe Anthony Richardson and seeing like, all right, let's have Brock Purdy kind of like, you know keep things afloat until Anthony Richardson kind of hits a stride. For somebody who was low balling Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. on one of our last episodes. Yes. To say that you wouldn't mind taking Brock Purdy. Are you taking Brock Purdy over Kirk Cousins? I think everybody wants to know that. If I got to Kirk Cousins in my draft, I would probably evaluate the situation and be like, you know, if I could continue to just draft skill players, I might try that and just like, all right, I'll rock with Sam Howell, Brock Purdy, maybe Anthony Richardson, maybe even take like a Jared Goff to see if I could just like, but the thing is like, I don't want to be streaming quarterbacks all season. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, 
I wouldn't take Brock Purdy over Kirk Cousins, but I might skip Kirk Cousins and eventually get Brock Purdy. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you would you're saying you'd settle for Brock Purdy if it came down to it? Yeah, I think he's fine. He's solid. He he. I I I All think right. Kirk Cousins will give you about what eighteen to twenty two points a week, and I think Brock Purdy would do the same. Dang, that's a pretty. I know. I know he's thrown a couple I'm, I'm, interceptions in training camp. He's I mean, got he a doesn't... lot of weapons around him. All right, I'm writing it down. You're saying he's going to get 18 fantasy points a game. I want to revisit this at the end of the season. All right, real quick, I want. I'm going to like, go on to your point, and I'm going to. I'm going to show you my point right now. All right. Well, the next, you know, obviously George Kittle is one of the top um, five tight ends in the league. I think you can say obviously it's Kelsey, Mark Andrews. TJ Hawkinson, then George Kittle, Darren Waller. I mean, you can debate Darren Waller and George Kittle. Again, I think the thing with George Kittle is there's a lot of mouths to feed in this 49ers offense. You know, he's, I think he's going to have some boom weeks, but he's also, you know, going to have some busts. So I think you have to be prepared for those. I know him and Brock Purdy do have a pretty good connection. <laughs> pretty good, huh? A uh, pretty good connection <laughs> um, on the field. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't see an issue if, you know, you're not punting on tight end, you know, taking George Kittle right now, his ADP is somewhere in the later fifth round. So, I mean, you know, I would probably personally take Darren Waller over Kittle, but once you start hitting the Kyle Pitts and the Dallas Goddards, um, I would rather take George Kittle. So, I mean, where he's priced in the, you know, late fifth round, I think is pretty true to value. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be mad at you for taking him in that in that spot. Yeah, I think he's you good. I, I'm just, I'm, not, uh, you know, me, like I'm, I'm not super keen on like drafting like tight ends in those middle skill player rounds unless it's like one of the main ones dropped. Uh, but yeah, I would say so. Like, I think it, I think you're right on that. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I would. I just, yeah, you said there's a lot of mouths to feed. And just for reference, um, Brian did make a, a point earlier that Kirk Cousins averages around 18 um, fantasy points a game. And uh, so throughout his entire career from when he started in 2012 to 2022 at the end of last season, he averages 16 points a game. So, oh, okay. All right. And you know what? I just, just did, I just did a, a quick look and I was trying to do the math while you were talking, but it's uh, it just didn't happen. But Purdy last year. In the final six games of the season, the six games that mattered, the ones he started, 15.3, Puts him in that Kirk Cousins ballpark, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, the last, yeah, the last few games. Yeah, if you, if you take away the mid, middle season. Yeah, middle of the season. Yeah, yeah, puts him in that that Kirk Cousins. Now the thing is, he is in that tier, and I, I I'm probably going to like frustrate some people with this tier, but he is in that tier of like quarterbacks you're not sure what to expect from this season, and there is some elite quarterbacks in that tier. This isn't like a tier like one, two, three, five, six. It's kind of just two different tiers. It's tiers that you when you draft a quarterback, you know what you're getting. When you draft Joe Burrow, you know what you're getting. When you draft Justin Herbert, you know what you're getting. When you draft Kirk Cousins, you know what you're getting. Dak Prescott, you know what you're getting. Mahomes, Allen, doesn't matter, right? 
there's a there's tiers of quarterbacks you know exactly what you're getting then there's tiers of like even though there's players that are really good like you're just justin fields like do you know 100 percent what you're getting this year no you don't but you're you think the upside's there and brock purdy's in that conversation too it's like obviously that they're different tiers in terms of like adp but they're in that same conversation of like you don't know 100 percent what you're getting next season so yeah all right you made your point um let's move on we can get through this one pretty quick the Arizona Cardinals. Um, obviously, they don't have a QB, so you don't have to worry about that. Kyler Murray, in my opinion, is not going to be back this season. Yeah, I think you know if he does come back, it's going to be. I don't know why he would come back or try to rush coming back because I don't see them, you know, competing obviously for a playoff spot. If anything, they're competing for the first overall pick in the twenty twenty four NFL draft. Which is intriguing it, because if you want to have this conversation real quick, if Kyle Murray is your franchise QB, would you are you tanking to get another QB in next year's draft? I don't think they're going to tank on purpose, but if it just so happens that they do come in last, like yeah, I think Kyler Murray's time in Arizona is over. They're gonna. You think so? You think they take the QB, or, or do you think they try to get like Marvin Harrison Jr. or something? Mm, I think they take a QB. Okay. They could probably get both. I think they have two picks. So I, I think they, they go, you know, they're going to take, you know, Williams and uh, as their QB. Okay. Uh, Running back, honest, James Conner. Yeah. Oh, I was, no, I was just going to say. You're jumping into James Conner. Yeah, I was like, there's no one else to talk about really but James Conner except for maybe Hollywood Brown, but let's, let's talk about James Conner. James you, Conner has, has been solid. Every time you count James Conner <laughs> <laughs> Every time you count James Conner out, he proves you wrong. Case in point, me last season, I did draft him thinking like, oh, you know, he's he's always solid. And the first, I think the first game he put up decent, like 12 points. And then in the next two games, I don't know if he got injured or what happened. So I ended up trading him. And when he came back from that, you know, couple missed games, he blew up again. So, you know, slap on my, you know, wrist there. Um, I won't be betting against James Conner again. Um, he's the only, I think, like solidified fantasy player in on this team. And they don't have a, a crappy offensive line. So I think they're going to be able to move the ball. And I think, you know, that's going to be a big, uh, it's going to be because of James Conner. So, I mean, like right now his ADP uh, is sitting at running back 23, somewhere in the middle of the sixth round. So for a six round pick, I think that's a pretty solid, you know, if you wanted to take him as a running back too, if you're doing like a hero running back strategy where you draft a solid, you know, top five running back, top 10 running back in the first round, and then you kind of wait on running back after that. I mean, I think he'd be a solid running back too. Definitely a solid flex. So, I mean, I would consider, you know, James Conner. Um, like you mentioned, Marquise Brown. I know you have a certain feeling about him. You want to let us know what that is? He's he's uh, projected to go about round seven, and I think that's just way too high. There's so much uncertainty going on in Arizona that it's just it just should not be the case. Like he's like yeah, if you want to take a late round flyer on him because he is the wide receiver one, sure. But I don't. This offense is the James Conner machine, and yeah, like he might he might have a good week or two, but the I don't. In round seven, you're still looking for consistent 
flex options. And I don't know if he'll be consistent, if that makes sense. He might be a good flex option in general, but I don't think he's consistent. Round nine or 10, take a flyer, but I wouldn't draft him in round seven. Yeah. You, you know, if, if you're really looking for more upside in that same, you know, round area, um, George Pickens, rookies, Jack, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, you know, second year whiteout, Jahan, Jahan Dotson from the Commanders, Brandon Cooks, Gabriel Davis, which, you know, as a late seventh, early eighth round pick, I think is, is okay. I know last year he was going, you know, as a, you know, in the top like 15 of wide receivers, mm-hmm. um, which backfired on a lot of people. Um, Michael Pittman, I'd probably take Marquise Brown over Michael Pittman only because, you know, it's still unknown. You don't know what you're going to get there. So, similar situation that's going on in the current. I would say that the Colts have a more solid. I know this is going to sound contradicting to what we talked about earlier with Jonathan Taylor, but the Colts probably have a more solidified thing going in terms of offense. Like they have their quarterback, regardless if it's a rookie or not. They have their team set. It's just the running back situation. Whereas Arizona, none of those guys will probably play for the team next season. Except, for, you know what I mean? Like it's. It's, it's, it's a totally different thing. But you're right. It's, it's it's in that conversation that you want to ignore until you can't ignore it. And if he happens to still be on the board in, like, the eighth round, ninth round, like, I mean, I think at that point it's a value pick, right? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, he's got a, he's got a pretty, pretty solid, uh, pretty solid floor. I mean, he's the only option there. So he's going to get targets. Is there anybody else in the Cardinals you want to talk about before we move on? Mm, I don't want to get too in de- deep into detail, but obviously there's Rondale Moore still, who's coming back mm-hmm. from injury, and then um, Greg Dorch, who he had a couple know, of good weeks last in, year. Yeah, who filled in for Moore last year when he got hurt. So, I mean, those are I think those are more late round picks, you know, in the double digit rounds. Um, but other than that, I mean, Zach Ertz is you know off the pub list. And then they have, you know, Trey McBride who mm-hmm. I think is in his second year, but I mean, I, I would stay away from those tight ends. You can find, mm-hmm. you know, better value somewhere else. All right, let's get to the Seahawks. And I know Brian loves to talk about the Seahawks. My least favorite team in sports in general. Probably. No, I don't know. Maybe not, but yeah, let's, let's just for, for the sake of football. Yeah. But I would say I probably warmed up to the idea that I should take some Seahawks because me and you had this long lasting tradition that I wouldn't have Seahawks players on my team, no matter what. And you wouldn't have Raiders players on your team, no matter what. And then I think we both, uh, like I think within the last two seasons became, I wouldn't say desperate enough, but we've just been like aware enough that it's like, fine, we'll just, I think it's best. I think I got DK Metcalf at one point. You, I think signed, Hunter Renfro, Hunter Renfro at some point, you know, it's like, uh, I think, you know, that's like, that, that's like, you know, pulling the bandage off, you know, I think it's like now we're a little bit more open as long as they're good. Right. And as long as they help our teams, you know, um, obviously fantasy football on top of being competitive is also meant to be fun. mm -hmm. And so like, it's really hard to be sitting there on Sunday rooting for somebody on a team that you despise. Yeah. So like, I can't be sitting there rooting for the Raiders, you know, when I'm a chiefs fan and obviously you don't want to be sitting there rooting for the Seahawks as a Rams fan. Although you're a hardcore USC fan. 
So I don't know what your mixed emotions are, you know, about Pete Carroll being the Seahawks coach. Uh, I'm not a fan of it. All right. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> like it was cool when you, it's kind of like, uh, how this is going to sound? Maybe no, never mind. I'm not going to do it, but <laughs> it was dope while it lasted. I'm not a fan how it went down. No, I'm all right. I don't know. What Brian yeah. means to say is that he's happy for Pete Carroll and he wishes him nothing but the best. Uh, moving on here <laughs> to the players. Running back situation here in Seattle. You got Kenneth Walker, and they just drafted Zach Charbonnet um, mm-hmm. from UCLA. I still think Ken Walker is the 1A, and you know Zach Charbonnet is the, the 1B. Is it going to be a more even timeshare? I think that's more likely. You know, going to happen. Obviously, that doesn't bode well for Kenneth Walker, who at the end of last season, you know, and and going into you know the summer before the draft, um, you know, we were all high on for mm-hmm. being a top running back this season. Obviously, that kind of changes, but um, I think he's a solid running back too. Same thing with Zach Charbonnet. I think he's more of a low end running back too. You know, flex option. Pete Carroll loves to run the football. Both of these guys are going to be involved. You know, I I don't think you can go wrong with either one. Yeah, I think you're fine. I think, to be honest, I I picked Ken Walker in fan in my in our dynasty league just simply because I I thought he still has a bright future, even though they drafted another running back. I think it's probably not going to be a fifty fifty timeshare at the beginning of the season. It will probably eventually develop into that. I I think pretty soon into the season though. Like I think week one, it's still going to probably be 60-40, 70-30 or something like that. But I think it's going to eventually go 50-50. And it might even go uh, the other way. And Ken Walker is on the low end of that 50-50 timeshare. You know, like it, it might been, end up being 40-60 at some point. But I still think he's going to be fantasy relevant throughout the season as long as he can stay healthy. Push come to shove. I think they're both solid flex options. Absolutely. Would you say, I was going to say, would you Uh say this wide receiver group is one of the deepest in the league? I think it is. I think it's a, if you just are talking about talent alone, Mm -hmm. I think they're, they're in the top five for sure. Okay. So are are you higher, are you high on DK Metcalf? Is he a round two, round three wide receiver for you? I think where he's currently being drafted as wide receiver um, number 15, somewhere along the uh, third round there, beginning of the third round. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty true to value. I, I would definitely draft him there in the third round. And I don't know if it's just me, you know, am I, am I the, am I the problem? Um, <laughs> when it comes to the, this, you know, drafting strategies, cause I love running backs and, you know, I always try to take a running back in the first round and sometimes I'll double up and do two solid running backs, first and second round, because I know everybody loves the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I might even be aiming to take DK Metcalf as my wide receiver one this season. After, you know, going the first two rounds picking running backs, I might, you know, hopefully if he falls to me, um, I can take DK Metcalf at that third round value. Um, and I wouldn't hesitate to take him at that third round value. I, th- I think he's going to have a good season. Obviously, you know, Geno Smith we'll talk about right now, but he had, you know, a surprising season last year. And I think with the addition of uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, it's it's only going to get better for them. He he He's in that same ballpark as Devontae Smith, Calvin Ridley, T. Higgins, Amari Cooper. Uh, 
I think his ADP right now is where it should be. Um, he's above Debo Samuel, and I think that's pretty accurate. He's above Keenan Allen, uh, Jerry Judy, DJ Moore. I would say that's pretty accurate. I would say DK Metcalf's where he should be. Like I do think there's a lot of mouths to feed in Seattle, so that might make you hesitate. I do feel like eventually uh, Lockett's going to regress more. Uh, and I stop do, hating. And I think stop Jackson's, hating on these guys who have had years and years of solid fantasy. That's great, dude. You know, seasons. <laughs> that's that's. And fine. they have yet to show signs of regression. If he showed signs of regression, then I'd be sitting here saying, "Yeah, you know, this is probably going to be the year." But the Derrick Henrys of the world, and the James Connors, and the Tyler Lockett's every year. Well, except Henry, obviously, he's been you know a top pick. Um, for the last couple of years, but these other guys are like just being shoved to the back of the line and they always end up coming in, you know, and, and providing solid output for, you know, the people that take the, the draft pick on them. So I'm all in on Tyler Lockett at where he's being drafted. I think it's a steal. It's a steal. So? Yes. It's a steal. I, to I, get, I would, I would say know, he had Tyler a down Lockett. 20, 21 season. He had a couple good games, and then he came back last year with Geno Smith. Had a pretty decent season, but I wouldn't. He's I, been in the he's been in the top twenty the last few years. I'm I'm okay off that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he's growing right now as wide receiver thirty two. That's fine. If you want to take him, take him. <laughs> I think he's a value pick. Sure. That's all. That's all. That's what I'm gonna say. If he's a value, I, I'd rather take. Drafted. I'd rather take his uh, teammate Jackson. I'd rather take George Pickens. I'd rather take Jordan Addison in that little ballpark right there. I'd rather take Christian Kirk than take Tyler Lockett. All right. Well, at least we won't be sniping each other for that. You know, during that <laughs> round, he was the wide receiver thirteen last year. That's great. Good for him. The year before that, he was wide receiver eleven. Good for him. The year before that, wide receiver 11. I mean, you know, like the numbers speak for themselves. And it's because he's the deep threat. And I think with the addition of Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think that's only going to benefit him. And if Geno Smith can play similar to how he played last season, I think Tyler Lockett's, an, you know, set him up for another solid, you know, uh, within the wide receiver 20, you know, I think he's going to be. So when we talked about the NFC South, and you were like, and we were talking about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. What was one of your issues with drafting them? Very inconsistent. Tyler Lockett is very consistent himself. He might eventually be wide receiver 11. But he'll give you weeks where he's like, here's three points, and then the next week, here's 32. I think the last few seasons, he's been pretty, pretty... Um, his averages have been pretty steady. So I'm now I'm looking at last season. Started the season off five points, nineteen, sixteen, thirteen, twenty-seven, three points, eleven, fifteen, seventeen, thirteen, fifteen, twenty-seven, seventeen, thirteen, three points, fifteen. You can't tell me if you draft him where he's going right now that that's not solid value. That's if so- that's not solid value, I don't know what is. I just feel like there's more upside. He's a name brand at the 99 cent store. Like he, the year before his final four weeks, zero, six, 12, 27. Like, yeah, that's great. He'll give you 12 and 27, but he also gives you zero and six. 
I, I, I yes, you know that zero obviously hurts, but you know the the first two games were solid in the playoffs to get you to the championship. The year before that, yeah. seven, six, ten, five, three in the middle of the season. Let's agree to disagree. Okay, I, I'm, I think I'm, it's just because, saying, I'm just saying it's like, because he's a Seahawk. I understand. I get it. I might. But be, I think I where might, he's going. I, I might be a little biased. Yes, but I'm where he's all, going but, is yeah. a steal. So you have to really convince me to take a Seahawk, and I'm not going to take one that I feel is inconsistent. Well, I'm glad because then he'll be on the board for me. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so to wrap up the Seahawks, Geno Smith. Um. I think in a two quarterback league, he's a solid QB two. I would, I don't know. I, I still think like, yes, he had this one, you know, amazing year. He was what quarterback five last season. I, I don't think he's going to repeat that. Mm-hmm. Can he be a top 10 quarterback? I think so. But he was only averaging, I think 18 points uh, a game last season, similar to Kirk Cousins. I was gonna say, would very you take, consistent though. Would you very take consistent? Would you take him over Kirk Cousins? Geno Smith. Yeah. Mm. No, I'm still rocking Kirk Cousins. Is it because you know what you're getting from Kirk Cousins, no matter what? Whereas Geno Smith, that Kirk, might have just been a lightning in the bottle season. Kirk Cousins has been solid for seasons. Mm-hmm. Multiple seasons makes sense. Makes sense. And Geno Smith is coming off of one good season, you know, where he previously I, was a backup for how many years? So I'm very happy for Geno Smith, you know. But I'm, I would take Kirk Cousins over Geno. But I mean, you know, I still think he's a, a solid fantasy option. Obviously, a bye week fill in and somebody to definitely I would stash on my bench in case your first you know quarterback goes down. I think he would be, you know, a solid. Like he would be able to carry you to the finish line. I I'm high enough on Gino that if you absolutely punted on your quarterbacks, the top eight or nine, ten are off the board. You're in that low tier of like, all right, do do you want to take your chance on one of these rookies, Brock Purdy, Sam Howell, stuff like that? I still think Gino is the best option, like you know, above other quarterbacks like Jared Goff and gang and stuff like that Russell so, Wilson yeah I, I would say Geno Smith is a better option than that and you have the upside of potentially being a top 10 QB and you got you drafted someone pretty late you know if you're going based off last year then you got yourself a top 10 QB you just you're yeah, not quite it, sure it's going to happen again right so yeah solid floor mm-hmm. and a very you know interesting ceiling you know, I, I would I if you if you were to wait on Gino and then Gino got drafted, I I would kind of be in a little bit of a panic mode, and then you're you're flirting with my idea of like Brock Purdy and Anthony Richardson, <laughs> you know. But yeah. outside of that, like yeah, Gino Smith's probably the best late round QB option. I can agree with that. Let's move on. Uh, is there any tight ends you want to talk about? Not really. No, I would stay away from the, any tight end on the Seahawks. I What's, can't even name the tight ends, to be honest. Let's talk about my Rams. <laughs> the Los Angeles Rams. They went all in. Mm-hmm. They won the Super Bowl. They worked. They disappeared. Yep. Are you happy to see, at least to see, like, the Rams win a Super Bowl? I know this is kind of on a tangent here, but... 
to see the Rams win a Super Bowl in your adult life. Yeah, it was fun. It was nice. I enjoyed it. Uh, and I'll be honest with you. It was one of those moments last year. The most fun I think I've had as a Rams fan was watching Baker Mayfield play quarterback for the Rams last year. Like it was, it kind of brought me back to the old days of St. Louis Rams where like we just threw random players out there and tried our best and, and we had like talent around them, but like we just could not. Yeah. You thought Jeff Fisher was on the sideline? Yeah, I thought we were on some seven and nine bullshit. Like I, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it, it was fun to watch. It's kind of cool now that like we've been humbled by the Super Bowl win. Now we're kind of in that mediocre span again. And now we could like, you know, fluctuate with certain things, trade off players eventually. I'm surprised we didn't trade off more players this offseason. But yeah, I would say honest, realistic, the Rams probably will be a third place team in this division again. Uh, in terms of fantasy value, I don't think Matthew Stafford has a ton. Uh, I don't think Stenson Bennett's anyone you should stash unless it's in Dynasty, and even then you'll probably drop him eventually. I think I saw a tweet or someone said like he's gonna be selling used cars by like week six. <laughs> oh like, man! Uh, Cam Akers, I think, is the interesting one for me because Cam Akers' fantasy issue has always been that he does not get along with Sean McVay. I don't. I think. If him and Sean McVay have, you know, come together, understanding their differences and stuff like that, I think Cam Akers could be a top 10 running back in this league. I just don't know if Sean McVay likes the kid. I don't think he wants the player on the team. He was supposed to get traded last year. He doesn't. He ends up playing in the Baker Mayfield offense. He has a pretty solid end to the season. He where he's getting drafted, I think he has a good value at ADP. He is the clear cut RB one on the team. The team has a history of being a good offense. He's drafted around rounds four or five, roughly right now. And I I think Cam Akers is is like especially if you go to zero running back strategy or if you want the a good solid flex op, flex option if you want to RB2 he's right now running back 22 and i think he most likely around that like if you're looking at people in that range you're looking at JK Dobbins, Miles Sanders, Javante Williams, James Cook. James Cook's in an offense with Buffalo that doesn't u- utilize their running backs too much. Javante Williams coming back from an ACL. Miles Sanders is on a new team that's worse than his last one. J.K. Dobbins will probably only play like two games this year. Cam Akers in that ballpark in that ADP has the best potential to be a top 12 running back, top 15 running back. And I'm not trying to be a homer because I'll be honest, I was off the Cam Akers train the last two seasons, but I'm kind of back on it this season. I just made a face into the camera. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can buy the hype on Cam Akers. He's supposedly supposed to, he was supposed to be the guy the last two seasons. Been in the doghouse. Everybody thought he was getting traded. You know, he didn't suit up for a few games. I don't know if that was last season or the season before. Yeah, it was last season. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to think of this guy. Like you said, you can get James, you know, you can get James Conner. Mm-hmm. Javante Williams, who, yes, is coming off an ACL injury, but actually played in the preseason, you know, the last preseason game that the Broncos had and looked okay. 
you know, obviously he's got to come back to. David Montgomery, I think, is better option. Sure, he's going to be sharing the backfield with Jameer Gibbs, but he's like a true running back. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to be their rushing option. I think Jameer Gibbs is more of a, a passing, you know, down back receiver. I hear they're going to use him in the slot. So, um, you know, I just I can't buy in on Cam Akers. You know, if you feel confident in him, if you're listening to the hype, um, I haven't seen what has what has Sean McVay said. Uh, what what has come straight from the mouth of the coach? So I'll put it to you like this, and to be honest, maybe it's probably ignorance is bliss on my end. Last season, I went to Rams training camp. And I noticed like Cam Akers was making a lot of mistakes and he looked sluggish during training camp. And I was just like, yeah, he's clear cut everyone. It doesn't matter. Right. And then all of a sudden the story started coming out <laughs> and I was like, Oh, all makes sense. When I saw him making all those mistakes in training camp this season, I didn't go to training camp. I was too busy work, stuff like that. So maybe ignorance is bliss and I have not seen him, you know, make mistakes, but in the last six weeks of the season last year, 19 points, nine points, 13 points, 34 points, 14 points, 15 points. It looked like he solidified the spot last year. They kind of took away all the other, like, you know, vets and stuff like that that could challenge for a spot. The only person would be Zach Evans. So, yeah, I would say, like, if you're going to take Cam Akers, then maybe get the handcuff of Zach Evans too, just to be safe. But there's not anyone I really think taking Cam Akers' job this year. And he still had a successful season last year with basically a bunch of practice squad offensive linemen and Baker Mayfield playing quarterback. I think this year with the offense coming back, with additions, they solidify the offensive line a little bit. His value is good where it's at. Like you might take some of those other running backs. And yeah, I'd probably take James Conner maybe above Cam Akers. That, that, that makes sense, right? But... Those other ones all have question marks, and Cam Akers, although he has a question mark, I don't think it's on the field. I think it's all in the front office. Well, at least he's not in any legal trouble, so <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess you know taking taking him isn't all that bad. Um, quick Google search, you know, Sean McVay is saying that um, he's going to be a huge part of this year's uh, offense. Um, I, other than Cam Akers, I don't know who else could be huge other than, you know, Cooper Cup, right? So obviously that takes us into the receivers. Cooper Cup, do you think that he is where he's going, right? Like in the, in the first round, like early, mid, early first round. Do you think that's, you know, pretty solid or do you have your doubts on, on Cooper Cup obviously coming back from an injury that he sustained in training camp? Nothing major, but, with the Rams not probably not going to be competing, mm-hmm. you know, for a playoff spot this year and possibly having the number one overall pick, you know, where they can snag that USC quarterback. What's his name? Caleb Williams. <laughs> I, I I knew who he was. I just wanted to hear you say it. Um, Cause I know Brian gets hyped. I do. When he talks USC, you know, with the possibility of that, is there, is there any chance that they shut him down, you know, if they're if they're not winning, you know, if they're in last place by like week six or seven, is there any chance they shut Cooper Cup down um, and save him for what could possibly be, you know, a better season next year, a little bit of a rebuild? 
Uh, absolutely. I, that, me and you have uh, uh, talked about this on the side a little bit. Uh, yeah, I do. I do think so. I think out of most of these guys, too, he has the most potential for the Rams to just be like, you know what, we're good. Like it probably won't happen that early, but it you know it might happen right before the fancy playoffs, or it might happen as the fancy playoffs are approaching. And that's you know that's not, I don't know. Like it depends. Like the Rams might try to be competitive. There's seven wild card spots. They might try to be competitive, right? If everyone can stay healthy enough, they might. I don't, as a realistic you know sports person, I don't think they will be. Um, where Cooper Cup is going though. I think he's a late first round pick because everyone above him, like Justin Jefferson, McCaffrey, Chase, Kelsey, Eckler, Robinson, Tyreek Hill, those make a lot more sense right now than Cooper Cup, right? The injury history is a little bit easier to swallow. You know, and like I said, like some of these teams probably won't shut down their thing. Like, yeah, and then you get in the conversation like Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, AJ Brown. Then yeah, if you want to, you give it take Cooper Cup in that little range. That's probably what pick eight or so in the first round, twelve twelve team league. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised in some leagues he just drops to the early second round, because then like in my opinion, you you do that fifty fifty coin flip thing. You're like, would you rather have AJ Brown or Cooper Cup? Probably AJ Brown. If you would you rather have Stefan Diggs or Cooper Cup? Probably Diggs. Right? Like, you're just a little bit more confident in the offense. You're a little bit more confident in their health. I'm not I'm not down on Cooper Cup. I do think he's a first-round value. I just think, like, when you get to those picks and you have to make that call, it's like, ah, you, you look at the next guy in ADP and you're like, oh, actually, I like that guy. You know, and I think that's what's going to happen. I think he might accidentally trail off. Or I wouldn't be surprised if he's picked, like, fourth overall because we've seen him be wide receiver one before. We know he has that potential. We know he has that skill set. Him and Matthew Stafford have that connection. If Matthew Stafford could uh, drown in the fountain of youth and come back <laughs> and be a decent quarterback again, then Cooper Cup could be wide receiver one, you know. But in the first round, and you're like you said, you could lose your draft in the first round. Are you going to take a player that might be, you know, first of all, he's still currently hurt. <laughs> he has a hamstring injury. And then you have to hope that the Rams, like you said, are not going to shut down their stars in week 12. Like, so I, I, I don't like late first round pick. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm probably going to take all those other players who are above them in ADP. And then when it gets to that point where you're taking him, I, I think it's like, all right, 50, 50 call right now. His um, ADP is five. I think that's a little high. Yeah. Let's let's be clear. Cooper Cup is a very, very talented wide receiver. My hesitation has nothing to do with is Cup a good wide receiver. Mm-hmm. My hesitation has to do with is Matthew Stafford going to be any good? Obviously, coming off of that, I think it was an elbow injury. Mm-hmm. Is the offense going to be any good? The defense is probably not going to be very good. So just the whole outlook of everything other than Cooper Cup 
is just not sitting well for me. Is, you know, like you said, he he's not going to obviously sit out at the beginning of the season, but what if by, you know, week 14, they're just totally out of, you know, out of contention and they just decide to shut him down right before the fantasy playoffs. Like that is a big blow for a first round pick. Also to mention if he's has anything lingering and this hamstring thing might linger by week 12, they might just like, all right, we're going to sit you out because you have this lingering quote unquote leg injury or something. And all of a sudden the lingering becomes out for the rest of the season. You know, like, they or it could be like he he hurts himself in week four again, and it's not a major injury. He plays through it, but then all of a sudden in week twelve, they're like, you know, what? we're just going to shut him down because we don't want to risk it. Like, I think he'll play through stuff throughout the season, but then eventually the front office is going to make that call. We saw it happen last year. I think he would have came back if he could. So, yeah, yeah. So I mean, again, high risk, high reward, right? Outside of those other Rams, like I'm, since it's my team, I'm a little bit more in the know. Like, there's some teams we talk about, and I'm like, I don't know about their slot receivers and stuff. Van Jefferson, there's a lot of hype on him. I'll be honest, uh, streaming option, but I don't think he's anything more than that. He he will probably be drafted, but I don't think he's gonna he's not gonna be anything more than a streaming option by week four. Someone's gonna cut him. Um and. Puka, is it Puka Nakua? Yeah, again, the names are really starting to get really tongue twisted here. He might not be fantasy relevant 100% this season, but I do think if they do shut down Cooper Cup and they do, you know, they start kind of in their like little mini uh, second backups mode for the final start, he's going to have, I think, a solid weeks like 13 through 16 if they're not in playoff contention. I I do think he's going to get a lot of playing time. He's already being uh like praised in training camp to be possibly the slot receiver. Uh Cooper Cup's technically the slot receiver, but you know the third wide receiver. Uh I don't know if he's going to be fancy relevant this year, but in dynasty leagues, I would I'd keep an eye on him. I also think he may be fancy relevant next season, but that's a uh, next season's podcast to talk about. But, yeah, I do think, like, keep an eye on him on the waiver wires. He may or may not get drafted. He might get drafted, but, like I said, he might get cut, like, after a couple weeks. But keep an eye on, keep an eye on him in the waiver wires this season. Other, other than that, what about Tyler Higby? Uh, I'd probably avoid that. He's fine, but I think there's better tight ends and there's other tight ends of upside. Like if you want to take him and a rookie and then wait for the rookie to do his thing, then sure. But I think that if you punt at the tight end position, that Tyler Higby can be somebody who can manage to give you decent points. When I say decent, I mean like eight points. Eight to ten points in a PPR league, you know, it's just to keep you afloat at the position. I got a question for you before we sign off. This week, I think I got a little fired up on some players in this division. Next week, when we talk about the AFC West, are you going to get fired up on some teams, or are you going to be cool and collected and be like, "Yeah, this player's ADP is good, and the Raiders are fine, and I like this Chargers guy." 
I'll never say the Raiders are fine, <laughs> but I'm going to be fired up. I'm going to be fired up. Like a tea kettle on the stove, I'm going to be fired up. Like, are you, are, you, are you, when I say, like, Jimmy is a decent quarterback, are you going to be like, no, I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to make things up. I don't make things up. Okay. You know, I just, I, I, I use the data okay. and I make my decision from there. Let the people know where they can find us on X. <laughs> you can find us on X at OT Fancy F Ball. And you can find our podcast where you find your podcast. I'm Steven. As always with me, Brian. This was the NFC West. We're not fortune tellers, but we're fortunate enough to bring you fantasy football. We're two weeks away. We're excited. We can't wait to see you on the next one. Till next time. I do think he affects DB Samuel. DB? <laughs> you can find us on X at OT. <laughs> I'm Steven. I'm Brian. That's Brian. <laughs> Let's do it again. We can't tell the future. Well, let me go. <laughs> I'm going to keep that in. <laughs>